Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline Mawasasi, and I am your host for the Fact Roundtable podcast. I am a food allergy parent, advocate, and the founder of the Grateful Foodie blog, and I am Fact's Vice President of Community Relations. Before we start today's very interesting conversation, I just want to pause for just a moment to say thank you to DBV Technologies for being a very kind sponsor of FACTS Roundtable podcast. Please note that today's guest was not sponsored by DBV or compensated in any way by the sponsor to participate in this specific podcast. Allergic reactions can happen anywhere and anytime, even on college campuses. Being prepared to manage an emergency is critical. Learn from two college students and one who is a trained EMT and another who has experienced anaphylaxis on campus in today's podcast with Maya Kanoff and Emma Sorrentino. Welcome back to Facts Roundtable, Maya and Emma. This is the final part of our four-part college series. I'm actually going to miss you guys. I have enjoyed this so much, but today's conversation is just perfect, especially from a parent standpoint here. We're going to be talking about emergencies. So thank you so much for being here. Of course, glad to be back again. Thanks so much for having us. Great. So before we get started, if each of you don't mind taking just a quick second here and letting people know where you are in your college journey. So in case they're just joining us today, they know where you are. Yeah. So I'm Emma. I am allergic to peanuts and I'm a rising senior at the University of Vermont. A little bit sad about only having one year left, but it's going to be a good one. I'm studying biochemistry with a minor in emergency medical services. And hopefully all this knowledge of medicine pays off someday. Hi, everyone. I'm Maya. I'm allergic to eggs, peanuts, tree nuts, and sesame. And I just graduated college. I just graduated from Syracuse University. I studied psychology on pre-med track, and I minored in human development. Well, Emma, congratulations on being a rising senior. We are all here cheering you on. If you ever need to pick me up, you know who to text. And Maya, congratulations. Like, yay. Thank you. Time for the world to be ready for you. So now we're going right into our topic here. We all know that there's just no way to predict the severity of a reaction or even when and where it might strike. But there are some like common places like, you know, restaurants, maybe parties, you know, socializing where there's a lot of food, you know, out there. But being prepared really is the big deal. In the last, you know, several podcasts, both of you have mentioned kind of consistently about being prepared, being consistent, like where you carry your medications, you know, understanding on how to respond. So now speaking to a student who's heading to college, how do you think they should start to prepare for an emergency at college? I mean, you know, we like to 
think that no one's going to have a reaction, but we know statistically that's not true. Everyone's going to have a reaction at some point, you know, hopefully very minor and hopefully, you know, far and few between, but we know we need to be ready for it. So Emma, uh, when you headed to college, you know, did you think much about having a reaction on college? And then when you did arrive on campus, how were you ready? And then also I want to make sure everyone knows that Emma is actually an EMT, a bona fide, full-fledged EMT, right? Nationally registered. <laughs> yeah. So this was a conversation I had pretty frequently with my parents um, while I was doing the college search of just like, I think it was because my mom was just really nervous about it, but she, you know, we were constantly having the conversation of like, what would it look like at this school if something happened or like, what would it look like here? And and what would we do in this situation? So having those conversations early on and just making sure we started making that plan early on was, was beneficial. But once I picked a school, what that looked like for me was sort of establishing I guess you could say an emergency action plan. For me, that was pretty simple because UVM has a level one trauma center and a really good one right on our campus. Pretty much anywhere I'd be in Burlington, it would be a five minute drive or like a two minute walk from my dorm. So that was a a comforting thought. Then I just really had to know that, you know, I was just going to call and I was going to have friends around me that knew how to handle my, you know, my allergies. And I was going to make sure that I had my epi with me. And what that meant was like, yeah, I might be going to hang out in a different friend's dorm, or I might be going to hang out in a common room or going to the library, but I got to make sure that my epi stays with me. So that's like the first step of everyone's action plan. And then just knowing the next few steps. I definitely remember on tour at UVM, we were walking through the freshman dorm and my mom was like, look, there's UVM like medical center right there through that window. She's like, this is perfect. Not that I want you to have a reaction, but if you do, I'll feel so like safe about it. That was a little plus for me, for sure. I was going to say, it's so crazy that somehow we both ended up at schools where the hospital was right on campus, if not like around the corner, but that may not be the case for every school. It likely isn't the case for every school. So that's a great first step is finding out where that nearest hospital is. Also, I want to say like, in this case, luckily, in some other contexts, maybe not so luckily had had quite a few reactions growing up and throughout high school. So I knew, like the back of my hand, what my emergency action plan was. I knew when to take what meds, I knew when to give epinephrine, things like that. And I knew that right away, then I call 911. But if you haven't ever had a reaction, that may not be so second nature to you. So even as basic as it sounds, know those steps of your own emergency action plan, so that you can feel comfortable, like you know what to do if a situation arises. Because when you're having a reaction, hopefully you won't, but if you do, things tend to move pretty quickly. Um, And so it's important to kind of study your own action plan and know what those steps are that you need to get done. And so have either one of you, when you were heading off to college, and even just now, do you practice like with the trainers every year? And do you bring trainers with you? I 
practice with trainers every so often, not necessarily at this point once a year, just because, again, I unfortunately, or in this case, I guess, kind of fortunately, have quite a few experiences with real epinephrine auto injectors. So I've had my fair share of practice. But at school, I did actually use the trainers at least once a year because I always trained my roommates when we first got to school and sometimes would give a refresher to my friends, even if they had seen it from me before, just because that was another thing in terms of preparing for emergencies is these people who you're going to be spending your time with. And we spoke about this on our previous episodes in more depth. So definitely go back and listen to those. But as much as you can prepare yourself for emergencies, you want to make sure that the people around you are going to be prepared for them as well. So I did bring trainers with me to school. I carried both EpiPens and IBQs. So I brought both trainers with me and showed both to my roommates and my friends. Another thing that, again, is like figuring out your own emergency action plan. I always have my meds on me, but then I keep an extra set somewhere that's accessible to other people. My friends always know like where mine is in my bag, but it may be easier for them to grab the extra set um, wherever it may be. So in my freshman dorm, it hung on a hook right on the back of our door. Last year in my senior year in my house, we kept it in the kitchen so that everyone knew where it was tucked away in a cabinet, not too tucked away where they wouldn't be able to grab it, but not out so that like someone who doesn't need to have it could grab it. Things like that to really prepare yourself for any situation are important and figuring out what those things look like for you. And I would say it feels silly to say because it feels like it's not something that should have happened, but like keeping track of your meds because it's just so like, oh, I know, I always know where they are. Of course, I know where they are. This past semester ran into a situation that frustrated me so much because this person that I didn't really know who was actually a nurse, so it really shouldn't have happened, but she saw my epi on a table For those who don't know, I teach the EMT course at UVM now. And she saw I was teaching. She saw them on the table, thought they were our equipment, took them out of the room, put them in a closet. And I was like looking around. I was like, where? I like came back to that room because I had just put something else away in a different room. And I was like, where are my cues? Like, where did they go? I was like looking around. I went to all the rooms I was in. I was like, where did they go? Where did they go? And then I was just looking in the in the closet in the room where that closet was. And I saw them out of the corner of my eye. I was like, oh my God, like that's my Epi. And she was like, oh, sorry. Like I just thought that was our equipment. So frustrated. What I learned from that was keep track of your Epi, even if it feels like you are all, always do, like be a little bit extra vigilant um, when you're going off to college and there's just a lot more people that don't know who you are and label it. I didn't have mine labeled with my name on it, which... Some of you are probably like, oh my God, that's so dumb. Like, why did you not have your name on it? But I just took it out of the box and that's how I carried it around. So learn to label it because no, that is not property of UVM. That's property of Emma Sorrentino. So that's, that's a big piece of advice I can, I can give. But in terms of keeping track of your meds too, if you can have more than one set, that can be so helpful. I'm very lucky to be able to have a few sets all the time. And so one of them, when I say I keep it on me at school, that was just in my backpack because most of the time when I'm leaving my dorm or my house, I'm going to class. So I kept a set in my backpack. Like I mentioned, I kept one 
in the room or in my kitchen where my roommates could have access to it. But I also was on the club gymnastics team. And so I had practice three or four nights a week. And so I would keep another set in my gym bag because that way I wouldn't have to worry if I was running late to practice about switching my FDs from my school bag to my gym bag and switching it back afterwards. So if that is something that you can do, I would definitely recommend having a couple sets around in different places, in different bags. But again, then keeping track of all those and keeping track of expiration dates. I said this in another one of our podcasts, because this is something that I'm just now getting much better at now that I moved out of home and my mom doesn't keep track of those things for me anymore. But that's a big thing. They do expire. So you want to make sure that you're keeping your meds, epinephrine and other meds up to date as much as you can. I really had to take our own advice on during that situation. I was like, well, it's not my fault, but also I guess I should have been educated than people around me because that just should not have happened. She broke the band that I had around them and it was teal and I was so mad. But anyways, don't want to get heated over that again. I was I angry know. for like two days. Breaking <laughs> the teal band. Those are fighting I words. I was like, anyway. uh, these are really great tips and, and, just to share a quick story with you, my son's friend, when he my son was in undergraduate school, had asked my son one day at the dining room, we were there for parents weekend, and his kid sits down, he says, hey, where do you keep your epis? And my son's like, oh, here. And, and he actually whips out his kindergarten carrier. I kind of died. It was so trash. And it was so cute, though. So he whips it out and he shows him. And then I'm like, okay, wait, why'd you ask? You know? And he said, oh, he goes, well, my brother just called me and said he had the longest two minutes of his life because he was in a dorm room with his friend. His friend ate a bag of popcorn and it had walnuts in it. And the guy needed his epi, but he couldn't talk to say where it was. So this kid was tearing up this dorm room for two minutes trying to find it. So I'm really glad you brought that up, that it's really important your friends know where it is. And in previous podcasts, Emma even mentioned that her left back pocket, I think, is where she always carries her medication. So if she's out and about, everybody knows. I guess maybe we all still have our kindergarten EpiPen cases because my full set that I keep, the one that was hanging on the back of my door freshman year, the one that was sitting in my kitchen in my house senior year, the one that I packed up when I came to come to Camp Tag this week is my red med bag that we've had since I was a baby. And it says like food allergies on it. And it is just so tattered we actually had two of them and i had one my mom had one we both still have them mine the zipper just broke when i was packing to come to camp pad so i had to switch and take my mom's and hers the zipper is now a safety pin and she's like when i was switching my meds into it she was like be careful if you pull the safety pin the wrong way it'll come right off (laughs) so (laughs) i guess we all still have those old cases that we're still using but I love the true confessions of carrying epinephrine. Yeah. I absolutely <laughs> love that. So now, Maya, I know you've had some allergic reactions on campus, and you discussed them in previous podcasts. But if you don't mind just talking a little bit about what it's like to have a reaction on campus and how it was managed. And again, I said this before, I had experienced many reactions in the past. So having that, obviously, it's never good to have allergic reactions. but being that I had experienced some at home almost made me feel a little more comfortable going through it at school just because I did know 
what was going on. And like, I could tell that things weren't right in my body because I know what it feels like when I'm starting to go through a reaction. But it definitely had this added level of scariness being away from home and away from my family. I've had two reactions at school, both very different situations. But in both of them, I was with either a roommate or at least one friend who were some of these good friends of mine who had been trained and who were there with me the whole time from when I first felt the symptoms through sitting with me in the ER for six hours overnight while being monitored. And so it is scary, especially that first one that I had my freshman year. It was one of the first weekends of freshman year. My mom was at home freaking out. Like I think about it as a really important moment in my own like food allergy journey because it was the first reaction I had away from home. And my mom wanted to come and help me. And I had to tell her, no, I got it. And I did get it. And it was scary going through it. But I stuck to my emergency action plan. I gave myself my meds when I needed them. I called 911 and got to the hospital. And so like those things that seems like such basic steps, but it's really important to just know them. And I can't stress that enough because especially like a reaction when you're away from home and it's scary anytime you have a reaction because you're having an allergic reaction. It can be absolutely terrifying every time, no matter how many times you've experienced it in the past, because every reaction can be so different too. You don't ever really know what's going to happen. But so at least knowing that I knew what to do in that situation gave myself that little bit of control back that helps you kind of get through it. Great tips. And so Emma, with that EMT hat on, so if someone dials 911 and here comes Emma, what would be, it sounds really weird, but what would be like your perfect reaction? Like what would you want to have had happen? Would you like them to be sitting down, laying down? Like what would you like to see? Yeah. So let's start from the beginning. When you call 911, you're going to go to dispatch and they're going to ask you what's going on. You might think like, I'm, I'm having a really hard time breathing. My throat's closing up. Those things, telling them your symptoms. Really good. We, we want to hear those things. But the biggest sentence that we need you to say is like, I ingested an allergen. I think I'm going into anaphylaxis or I know I'm going into anaphylaxis or even like I just administered epinephrine. Because those are trigger words that are going to send the EMTs and the paramedics and whoever can get to you into like, okay, this is exactly what I'm going to do. So how it kind of works is when you call dispatch, you tell them what's going on. While you're on the line with them, they call us and we pick up and they say, quick sentence. And they're like, well, I'm going to use my own service, but they're going to say SX2 or SX3, whatever truck we're in. Please respond to insert address here for a insert age and you know patient experiencing, and then they give you a short synopsis. So if you say like shortness of breath, that's all we're gonna get. But if you say I'm experiencing anaphylaxis, that's what they're gonna tell us. So they're gonna you know over the loudspeaker, we're gonna hear a 20 year old patient experiencing anaphylaxis, maybe has already given meds. When we hear that over the loudspeaker, we're going to go into a very specific set of of preparations that's really going to change the outcome of the call. So when we hear that in transport, so most services don't carry auto injectors just because they're 
very expensive without, you know, that great health insurance that our parents has. But what we do carry is small vials of, of epinephrine and syringes, like needle and syringe, the old fashioned way. And we're all pretty quick at drawing them up, but it does take time. So if we hear, you know, over the dispatch that this person that we're responding to is going into anaphylaxis, what we're doing in transport or not transport, what we're doing in the time that we start driving until we get to your house is we're drawing up a few doses because that way we're already prepared when we get there. If you need more, don't worry. Ambulances, it's probably going to depend service to service and state to state. But I know my trucks, we carry like 15 doses for an adult. So like 30 for a pediatric, it's a lot, like way more than you're going to need. So don't be afraid to call because even if you think, well, I have two doses, I'm not going to need it. You might. And we have so much. And so we're going to be able to give you that medication if you need it. When we get to you, we want you in a position of comfort, obviously, because this is your reaction. You're going to be stressed out. And however you're going to be comfortable is going to be better for us. But another reason that you want to call is because we can provide other supportive care. So besides Epi, that's the main intervention. And it's actually, fun fact, one of the few concrete things that EMTs can do to save a life. So cool that we can administer it in most states. But anyways, the other things that we can do for you is say you're having a really hard time breathing. We can give you supplemental oxygen by like some sort of face mask, which is going to help you feel a lot less stressed. It's going to help, you know, all the other side like symptoms that you're experiencing maybe alleviate a little bit because you're getting that extra oxygen that you're not able to. Room air, so like the atmosphere is only 20% oxygen, but the oxygen that we're going to give you is 100%. So that's, if you think about it, when your throat's closing up, 20% becomes a lot less. So 100% is going to be less, but you're going to get more concentration. So that's a great supportive care that we can give you and you're going to feel a lot better if you have it. So I'm a big, obviously I'm a little biased, but I'm a big fan of EMS and I think it's a great resource. So if you're ever, you know, experiencing re- uh, experiencing a reaction, we all know, like call 911. But from the insider's perspective, that's why, because not only can we, you know, help you out and alleviate some of those symptoms, but we're going to be extra prepared for you. And we're going to be able to help you make sure that that reaction doesn't keep going on its trajectory because I'm sure a lot of you guys know this, but reactions don't just like stop when you have epi in your system. The epi kind of hovers, keeps you hovering on a baseline. And obviously we want to stay on the baseline. That's just not how anaphylaxis works. So with the epi doses, we can go back down to it and then again, back down to it when you start having those symptoms again. So that's why multiple doses is really important. And that's why like Say you're really far from a hospital, two doses might not be enough for you. And that's why like having EMS early on and telling them exactly what's happening while you're on the phone with them is going to help the whole process go smoother. And you're going to have those five doses already drawn up and you're just going to get them as needed. And it's just going to make everything a lot smoother. So call the ambulance, tell them what's going on. Don't be afraid because we're going to be able to help all of your symptoms, well, not all of them, because the hospital is really going to do it. But we're going to help mitigate those symptoms and 
make sure you stay as close to your baseline as possible. One thing that just just reminded me of when you said in most states you'll be able to help. That's another important thing about preparing for emergencies in college. Um, I went to college in the same state that I grew up in, but you may not be. And so I would definitely, definitely recommend looking into what those laws are surrounding like emergency care in the state that you're going to college or even like the city, um, because I don't know the exact legality of it. But I know that there are some places where only certain types of certified um, first responders can give epinephrine and others can't. So you want to make sure that you know exactly how you have to go about getting that care where you're going to be. And then also a little um, side note to this about emergency situations. I'm If you get a second when you give yourself your epi, if you self-administer before emergency services get there, try, and I know there's going to be so many things going on in your head, try to make a note either right on the EpiPen or on your phone what time you gave it to yourself because that's always the first question they ask when they arrive, when you arrive at the hospital. Like you get that question so many times from so many people. And so having that answer ready makes it so much easier for them to give you the care that you need. Um, And that's not something that I always remember to think about in that situation. And it's totally understandable if you don't. But if you can remember to make a note of the time, or if you're with someone and ask them to make a note of the time, when I've had reactions at home, that's the first thing my mom always does after we administer, she makes a note. That's super important in terms of getting the emergency care. So I can say a little bit about how administering epi works across states. I'm pretty sure don't quote me on this because I only work in the state of Vermont, but I'm pretty sure most states at the EMT level, which is like the most basic certification, they can give like needle and syringe epi. But I do know some states, the EMTs can only assist in administering a patient's own prescription. So what that looks like from a provider, if there's an unlabeled epi sitting on a table in someone's house, I can't use it. I mean, I can draw up they wouldn't be able to use it because we don't we can't verify that it's yours and we can't verify that it's prescribed to you and not like your dad or your dog or something so if you are in a state that you're not sure if you know EMS can give epi without prescription make sure that you have the prescription label or the box or however you want to do it actually on your epi so that they can be sure that this is yours and then they can actually administer it because that you don't want to get into a situation where EMTs arrive, there's no paramedic on scene who can do whatever, you know, because they're higher up, who says, I know you're handing me this epi, but I can't verify that it's yours and, I, and I'm not in a position where I can give you my own epi. So we're just going to have to give you some diesel therapy and maybe some oxygen and hope that it doesn't get worse because that would be very unsettling for me, I know. So make sure you check your local protocols if you're at all questioning if that's something that your state state does. 
these tips are blowing my mind. I feel like I'm talking to two 40 year olds. <laughs> and, and on that note, two, two things. One, always check in, you know, listeners with your doctor and review everything that we've been talking about. You know, the protocol, really important, really important tips you just added at the end. And I actually know from experience, because in Nevada, basic EMTs cannot administer epinephrine. Intermediate, advanced can, but basic cannot. So when we go to the pharmacy, we'll ask the pharmacist to print an extra couple labels and then we put it right on the device so then that little sticky that goes like on a bottle actually we wrap around so i can't believe our time has come to an end i am so sad these four podcasts have been phenomenal they're life-changing they're inspiring they're life-saving so before we say goodbye do each of you have some sort of parting wisdom that you want every student in this nation who's heading to college to hear or students already in college or students just heading into the workforce that are graduating high school and they're going right into life um maybe this is the recently graduated college senior in me, but there's so many wonderful, amazing things that you have to look forward to in college and beyond. And there, I know, are so many hard and scary things to prepare for, but it's going to be so worth it. So you got this. We're all cheering you on. And just know that you have been doing this for however many years that you've had your food allergies and sure you'll be in a new environment, but it's basically going to be the same thing. And you got this. I'll just say this podcast specifically, this one today has been my plug for all of you listeners to become an EMT, not only because there's a shortage, but also because I feel like I had an advantage going in because obviously we see a lot more than anaphylaxis, but that's like a really scary thing for a lot of providers. I've had this is actually crazy. I've had one of the paramedics that I work with come to me and ask me questions about anaphylaxis. And I was like, you are a paramedic. Like I felt so just like crazy that I knew more than she did, but we make really good providers because we can sympathize with patients and also it's super fun. So you should do it. Anyways, as Maya said, college is a really fun time. So don't let your allergies get in the way of, of all that fun you can still have fun besides it. And, and I think it's a superpower because it helps, you know, a lot, a lot more things than even paramedics. <laughs> well, those are perfect words to end on. Thank you again, Emma and Maya. You two are just incredible. And I look forward to the day that we're back together again on the podcast. Maybe you'll be in med school by then. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. It's a pleasure imparting our wisdom and experience. (laughs) Thanks for having us. It's been so fun. Before we say goodbye today, I just want to thank DBV Technologies one more time for being a very kind sponsor of FACT's Roundtable podcast. Please note that today's guest was not sponsored by DBV Technologies or compensated in any way by the sponsor to participate in this specific podcast. Thank you for listening to Facts Roundtable podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, leave a review, and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. 
Have a great day and always be kind to one another.